to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Kelly Kowal, Chief Platform Officer at Farfetch, and Sandrine DeVoe, the company's Executive Vice President of Future Retail. As we're coming out of a period where all things digital were accelerated, I wanted to ask them about the new competition online, as well as the impact on luxury retail overall. Where will the high-spend shopper want to browse and buy moving forward? Welcome to you, Kelly. Thank you very much. We're really excited to be here. So excited to have you. And welcome, Sandrine. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us today. So happy to have you guys. What a year it was. The impact on Farfetch as a whole, was traffic up? Were sales up? Was the luxury shopper spending? Uh, Let's start with you, Kelly. Yeah, I mean, overall, you know, we we um, performed really well as an overall company. I mean, nobody ever wants to capitalize off of a pandemic, but um, I think one thing that we were really sort of excited about and something that we really championed is keeping our small um, and actually relatively large size um, boutiques um, online and, and able to to trade. So for those people who aren't familiar with Farfetch, um, one side of our business is a marketplace. Um, and that marketplace consists of independent retailers um, selling online through our marketplace that can reach you know global audience and has you know traffic and sales. Um, and so part of the pandemic were to keep a lot of these independent boutiques online and, and trading. And I you know I think um, that's something that we really focused on during the pandemic on the on the marketplace side. And then on the platform side, um, you know, we saw um, an increase in new clients um, and we saw an increase in new technology really being uh, adopted as well. So overall, you know, we were really fortunate to be able to have both sides of our business kind of fire on all cylinders. Yeah. Tell me about your your job, your responsibilities, platform side. You are working with these brands. They're coming to you for website everything. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So the other side of our business, which, you know, a lot of people may not be as familiar with is the platform side of our, of our company. And it's called platform solutions. And really the idea is that we take the platform that we've built over the course of the, the farfetch.com lifespan, and we white label it. And we work with brands and retailers to bring the same technology and the same innovation to be able to run their retail strategy. And, you know, I think, the, the focus at the beginning maybe was more around, you know, websites and apps and, and purely digital, but we're definitely, you know, really making an effort to um, blend online and offline and, you know, have a, a huge part. And this is where Sandrine and I work really closely together is around, you know, making sure that we're not just thinking online, that we're really bringing the entire connected experience together and the t- entire connected um, retail experience, because that's actually what customers are looking for. That's what they need and that's what they're expecting. So the platform um, has been able to take all of those, I would say, you know, user statements or um, customer statements. And, and what we've done is we've built that all into the platform. And then with one single integration, the brands and retailers have access to all the same amazing technology we have for farfetch.com. Well, Sandrine, you're more focused on the physical retail side. That's what's in my head. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me about all that you're responsible for. <laughs> Walk us through it. Um, well, I'm actually focusing on retail and what future 
the future retail would be. So started at Farfetch about six years ago. And actually, my initial remit was really to think about how our platform, back to what Kelly was saying, could actually make sense in a physical space. And it's fair to say that, you know, like uh, the physical space has already a huge part of the Farfetch strategy. When uh, our CEO started the business uh, about uh 11 years ago. So how we link online to offline and how we actually connect uh, those amazing products all around the world in our boutiques, our exquisite boutiques, how we connect that to a global audience. That's always been kind of really the sort of focus for us. And my challenge was at the time is what does that mean from a platform point of view and from a tech point of view? And how can we actually deliver the solution in a meaningful way for the customer so they're not seen as basically a, a blocker or something they are asked to do? but something was integrated nicely into the experience. So that's kind of been like the journey of travel since we started, or I started at Farfetch, and how we have evolved and how, you know, KD's team has evolved through how we bring that technology to brands. This is now how we look at retail in a much more bigger way and how we look at online, offline, and the blend of both, but also the next evolution around what could be next around the digital world. So that's my sort of kind of bigger remit. That's why we talk about retail in all this form and not having that sort of kind of channel-specific uh, angle to it. What do you guys think about, obviously, you're both focused on this 24-7 innovation, digital, what's next, getting in front of it. I feel like you <laughs> have a good far head start uh, compared to maybe some competition or maybe those who haven't uh, been thinking this way, thinking with a digital mindset this whole time. Um, but would you say... Uh, Brands and retailers are getting smarter. They're coming into your territory. They uh, <laughs> are playing catch up. But are you feeling competition? Are you feeling the heat? Um, or is it just you're on to the next thing, I guess? How would you describe that, Kelly? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's a good question. And, and we talk about this all the time. Um, but, you know, we obviously want to be at the forefront. And this is where Sandrine and I spend a lot of our time thinking about you know, what we call the, the now, the next, and the future. So a lot of what we've deployed recently is about the now. What is the customer expecting now? Sandrine's very much focused on sort of the next and the future. So looking at consumer trends and looking at retail trends to try and identify what is the next and ultimately even what is the future. Um, so I think having our eye both on the now and the next and the future has allowed us to continue to scale at pace. We're always afraid of competition, right? I mean, anyone is, and that that's everywhere across our business, whether it's marketplace or it's platform or it's innovation. But I think what's something that is very unique about our um, company is that innovation is at the heart of our platform and it's at the heart of our DNA. So it's really ingrained in, in, in all of us. And so I think for us to be able to, to think about the now there's teams that, you know, really execute that, but then really thinking about the, the next in the future allows us to be able to sort of stay ahead of that competition. And I think the other really unique proposition that we have too is that we are very much customer centric. So we're not tech for tech's sake. So, you know, we're doing a lot of um, proof of concepts and we're doing a lot of testing. And But really where it comes from is, you know, problem statements or things that we're trying to solve for the customer and equally things that we're trying to solve for the retailers. So what we find sometimes is the customer demands are way ahead of what the retailers can do. So how do we ramp up and, and amp up those efforts to make sure that we're staying really relevant for the, the brands and the retailers and, and especially 
you know, the, the in-store staff as well who are at the forefront of, you know, the, the customer journey. Yeah. Well, Sandrine, when I think of the store of the future, the store of the future in Farfetch, I just, one in the same, interlinked, like, <laughs> I think of the same in my head. What's the store of the future? Did, did the last year really um, change what that's about? Um, if you had to say, yeah, your direction and what you're eyeing, uh, what's happening there? Well, I suppose, you know, it's interesting, right? Because we've been talking about this for so long about that concept of the store of the future was kind of brands were like, okay, well, is it like digital screen or is it like, you know, some sort of avatars fluffing around in a shop floor? I mean, what of the most scary thing that they could think about? That's what they thought about initially. And, and for us, it was just the evolution of retail, really, and how consumers wanted to shop. And what was really interesting is we worked for a long time on this, um, uh, on this problem and how we solve, we know, that how digital and physical are blending into one. And when the pandemic pandemic hit us, we were about to launch open our new brands flagship stores in London. And uh and we were all getting the teams together, um Kelly and also our CEO of Browns and say, okay, my goodness, this is still relevant. The technology and I is actually including in the customer experience. And we realized that it actually was spot on. We had actually was just accelerating the fact that customers want to be connected in real time in stores through what they've seen online when arriving in stores. They want essays and sell associates who are really knowledgeable of what they've been seeing and can basically deliver those very great recommendation in a seamless way. They want the ability to bring digital into the stores in a unique way where right? they have control of what that they can buy. So all of that was actually really, really relevant. And that's why back to what Kelly was saying it wasn't actually the future it was the now that's why we just basically said okay great like let's just not make it happen and and back to your question around the brands i think for me what is really interesting today is that they think they get it and some kind of do more than others but they still i think stuck into their commercial way of thinking of their lack of ability to really transform themselves, right? So they will have their retail teams and their digital teams. So for example, what is really interesting is Kelly will go and sell the solution, right? And Kelly, you can probably relate to that, but you will meet, oh, oh, it's digital, right? Yes and no. So, okay. And you have the digital director and then the retail director. And those guys don't talk to each other because they have two different customer base. So I think what we find out as we work with brands is, is not only about the technology, is how we almost become this sort of kind of, um, example to help them think differently on how they look at these new opportunities. And it's not necessarily about how much they invest. It's also their ability to really retransform themselves internally. And I don't think, and Kelly, you can, probably jump on that, but I think we are really not there in our industry right now. I, I completely agree. I think it, it takes a big mindset shift. Um, and that's that's part of our role as well is to bring sort of the education as well around what the technology can do and what it can unlock and and how it shouldn't be siloed anymore. I mean, the customer doesn't think online and offline. They don't think, you know, wholesale or directly owned inventory, right? They, they, they want an amazing experience and they want a lot of personalization. And that's where we focus a lot of our time is on personalization. But it's funny, sometimes we talk to brands and they're like, yeah, yeah, we do that. We have a, a clienteling app. And it's like, well, no, the customer's expecting a lot more than just your order history when they walk in the door. They want so much more. And so the, the technology that we've been building is really about taking customer intent and actually using real-time data in the store, which is very difficult. And I think, you know, 
one of the things that we used to talk about a lot is how do you take the online experience where we're really good at it, right? You've got cookies, you have tracking. It's, it's really easy to do personalization online, serving up you know, relevant content in the moment, much more difficult to do it offline. And so that's really the, the area that we've been tackling, I would say, in, in the most um, over the past year of how do we bring that sort of offline cookie, as we call it, um, to the store to be able to offer the same sort of experience we can online. Oh, we have to dig into that really quickly about <laughs> the cookie. We just had a, a package, an editorial package on like the cookie apocalypse and what brands are going are gonna to do with all of these um, new privacy rules and such moving forward. Is that a big concern for you? Actually, not really, because I think we had always a, a big principle when we started, um, you know, uh, this this whole thing and I would started to of the future and, and when Kelly's team started to to work all together on that is the fact that customers need to have the choice of how they want to interact with you as a brand. So you never force the customer to do something. You have to always be very transparent on how you're going to use the data. And the minute you break that rule, the minute the old model actually breaks. So when we look at what we do, we have always built the technology with that in mind. So actually when you are getting into our stores, in our brand stores, uh, you will have a much more better experience if you download the Browns app because you know that's that exchange of value. You download the app, you can have that personalization, and then this is kind of where you feel much better and you have a much more enjoyable experience. But if you don't want to download the app, if you want to be known, that's okay. You don't need to. And I think this is kind of fundamental principle on how brand will go around this whole privacy issue. Let's be transparent. Let's say to customers what is the value they will get by doing X, Y, and Z. And if they don't want to, it is okay. Some you want, some won't. I mean, you know, it's the same as you just log on a website. Some want to use your guest checkout. Some want to actually check out completely with a, uh, with a full kind of profile on it because they know they will get a better service afterwards. So that's actually the same principle. And what we've noticed when we be, um, testing for customers, actually, uh, what Kelly was mentioning, the technology to get that offline, uh, data and complement online, customer love it because what they got on their phone is that ability not to take their picture on their phone as they go through the rail, right? The product appear directly on their wish list. What they find out is actually that product appearing on their wish list where they browse the rail in store. Then they suddenly find out all that content about how to style the product, a new emerging brand. So it's all that enriching that journey. And I think this is what brands need to understand. It's not about a legal place, about the customer keeps control in this new DNA, especially if you're actually the youngest one, right? And the, and the teens. And I think if you keep that in mind throughout whatever things you do, then you're okay. And, and, and it's very kind of, you know, I think, I guess probably quite old way of thinking to think everything is gloomy. No, if you have that transparency, it's okay. And customer understand right that. Right on. Well, you mentioned that personalization and kind of supplementing maybe what they were looking at and having them discover new things. I really wanted to ask where you guys think discovery is happening right now for the customer. Is it on Instagram? Is it on where they're shopping in store? How would you, what would you say, Kelly? I mean, I would honestly say it's, it's everywhere. I know that's a really vague answer, but I think that's the part that something that I work on so much is the fact that you know, there's this whole blend of, you know, your, your lifestyle. And so yes, discovery is happening on Instagram. It's happening in store. It's happening online. It's happening on your competitors. It's happening on different, different websites. It's happening in real life. And so see, 
in the street. Exactly. It's even happening um, literally virtually. I mean, in, in, in video games as well, right? Like all of that is something that we're, we're looking into. Like, so there's the whole virtual world that we now need to be exploring too. Um, so it really is everywhere. And I think that's the point of us saying retailing in all its forms and, and everywhere where retail is because the customer is everywhere and they're getting their inspiration and they're getting their discovery. And, um, you know, and I, I don't see that that is ever going to go away. In fact, as, you know, as we become more mature um, and as new things are constantly popping up, we just have to stay on top of those trends. Meeting the customer where they are. What does that mean now that they're everywhere and discovery is everywhere? Does that mean <laughs> a larger staff? Does that mean, what does that mean for you? <laughs> Do you want me to, to go? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Well, no, I think, you know, I think it's it's back to what I guess we're talking about the now, the next and the future. So just be really present what they want today. So, you know, I think that's the no-brainer, conversion online, offline, now you are relevant digitally uh, and bringing a sort of physical experience to the digital journey. Uh, so this is kind of where we are. We have been investing a lot around virtual try-on and hold the sort of augmented reality technology that you fit into your digital experience. Because, you know, today it's quite boring, right? The websites are not really, our apps are not really that exciting anymore. And vice versa, that's what we are doing is bringing that um, uh, digital technology in a physical space, as we were discussing before. Uh, and that's the first thing. And then I think the second thing is, as we are exploring and as a, as a tech company, we always need to explore new type of avenues on our customer will shop in the future. So this is kind of where we have teams who are looking at what the customers in 2025 with, um, will shop, right? And taking risk of doing kind of proof of concept and partnering with startup in so many different ways. And, and the digital world is obviously something which is of big interest for us because we know that the new generation is actually want digital product or their digital twins before they want their physical product, right? Or they will want to basically trade those products on the blockchain type of marketplace before they actually start to own anything. So physically. So I think it's almost a sort of kind of two ways we look at it is very practical and a two-day way on helping the brands with what we think they need to have as of now. And this is kind of what Kelly's team is really focusing on. And my team is looking at, okay, what's come next and now we can explore uh, those type of trends. And within that, it's texting new technology. And we know one out of 10 will only work and sometimes one out of 100. But because we are a tech company and we can take those risks and we have this investment on the background to support our vision, uh, we have the best place to do that within the industry. More than what the brands will do because brands really can't do that, right? It's a very different skill set and talents you need to pull for this. So that will be my answer. But I don't know, Kelly, if there is any way you see about it differently than I would No, I, I mean, I think that was an absolute <laughs> brilliant answer. Um, you know, I think for us too, we're, we're also looking at the way that you, you use data in, in a really sort of clever way as well, right? So that you don't have to have teams and, and armies of people. So instead you're using customer intent to really drive um, any sort of uh, like algorithms or any sort of personalization or any sort of recommendation so that you don't have teams of people behind, but actually you're using the data that the customer is willing to give you um, to actually really curate their experience in, in a real-time way. So that, that's kind of also how we're looking at it. Who would you say is your uh, 
competitor now, maybe your biggest competitor, I would think that obviously, like like we talked about, luxury, uh, the luxury brand has been uh, holding tight to their traditions, maybe slow to go digital, but also so many brands moving to direct to consumer and also so many marketplaces popping up and also Amazon and also Facebook. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sure they're all your competition. Where do you, is, is the brand the biggest one? So no, not, not, not even, I would say not even remotely. And the reason I would say this (laughs) is because I think there's two parts of our business and actually the entire company, you know, we want to be the luxury platform for the luxury industry. So that means that the brands and clients, what we're, what we're doing is to help them grow their digital strategy and we're helping them transform. And so for us, that means if they want to partner with us on the marketplace, you know, that offers them um, a, a new way to experience new customers, new traffic, new territories in an easy way to sell. But then on the platform side, they can partner with us and we can drive all of their digital technology and their platform to be able to have an amazing online experience, an amazing offline experience and an amazing connected commerce. So I would say the brands are actually the our partners and that that's kind of how we look at it. I think what's really interesting in the technology space is that the actual industry is very fragmented. So one of the things that Sandrine did very early on is is recognize how fragmented it was. So, you know, you might have a company for clienteling. You might have something else for your digital displays. You might have something else for your connected mirrors. But there was no one in the market that was actually really bringing this together and looking at it to be a more cohesive um, integration for the brands and the retailers. And so I think that's, you know, really where we spent a lot of time at the beginning was to say, we could be your one partner and we can help you both, you know, online, offline, connected. And so I would say for us, there's lots of competition, as you said, as you rattle them, you know, all off, we think of them all as competition, um, but m- more also around the fact that, you know, it's, their competition, but in, in, in a slightly different way, because what we're really focused on is also the luxury consumer journey, which no one's really sort of honing in on that specific journey. And it's a very, very different journey. And it's hard as well to get from the brands, the trust on that. Yeah. You know, I mean, Kelly and I, we work, you know, we've from Harrods to Chanel. Those brands are not giving their trust easily. You have to prove yourselves. And what's happening is, well, we always think we are the blend between uh, fashion, love tech, and tech of fashion, right? And, and this is kind of, we have, we have so many polarities at Farfetch. People are so tech tech. Some people are so very creative and fashion. And actually, the role of, of Kelly and I is that we bring all of those talents together. So then when we talk to brands, they really trust us because they know we will understand, you know, how they call it in, you know, experience, you know, I mean, we have some of our French clients always say the experience, Sandrine is all about the experience. And it's true, right? And we do get it. At the same time, we also get really complex integration when it comes to how we actually link all of those different systems together and what, you know, uh, our platform needs to do. So I think this is why uh, I don't think there is competitors out there. What also is always the most important one for us is always to be at the forefront because we have disrupted this industry in a really positive way, we don't want to be disruptive uh, by someone else. So we are. We need to go fast and always to question everything we do. 
back to the future piece we are talking about before. Right on. Anything that uh, sprouted up in the last year, everybody was uh, really jumping on the live streaming trend and everybody was really jumping on, um, I mean, virtual stylists. I know that you guys teamed with Wishy, who we just had on the um, on the podcast, and they were so fun. But anyway, <laughs> anything that um, in the last year, maybe some new technologies that either, you know, you want to discard, you don't think it will stick, or maybe things that you really um, embraced in the last year. What happened? <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's interesting because our company is working with tons of startups. So has been uh, a very interesting way using and leveraging open innovation on how you can really extend the capability of our platform, right? We don't build all the technology ourselves. The beauty of tapping into the, the ecosystem and the tech ecosystem is like they can really provide new innovation and also reading the sort of customer trends from now for the next 18 months. So what has been uh, uh, happening is actually really the, my team was already looking a lot about digital fashion and that opportunity around how consumer could shop digital fashion. And we did at a very early stage a lot of research and a lot of um, thinking around um, virtual try-on, right? How you could use this type of technology to create something quite immersive. And and we were actually two and a three years ago really kind of struggling with augmented reality. It was just not right. It was hard to find a use case. The technology wasn't ready. Uh, it was a bit, it was gimmicky. And when it's gimmicky for us, it's just not the right thing to do. And what I think happened over the last 18 months, we saw a huge evolution of the technology. Now the quality of the assets you can produce is absolutely stunning. So those digital 3D assets is amazing. And then obviously consumers are really getting into this, right? They just love it. We did, uh, we started with uh, trainers and sneakers. We moved to sunglasses. Uh, we're now doing um, uh, fine jewelry and watches. Um, and, and, and what we are finding is that huge adoption of this technology. And that was, I think, a part of being much more kind of playful during the pandemic. We needed that experience to be more cool and more exciting and engaging. And the fact also that the technical trend has been uh, really uh, uh, accelerating. So I think for me, it has been very interesting within the length of 18 months, how the virtual try-on trend as, as, a, as a way to solve the problem of customers wanted the product here and wanted to try it on, but you, you know, it's still not really out there. So that's been actually really interesting to see that as a huge, uh, a huge piece um, uh as a learning curve, right? And obviously, back to your point around Wishy, I mean, you know, great to work with Wishy. I mean, we've done uh, some really great um, uh, pilot with them. And really, really for us, how you blend the human interaction of personalization and recommendation with AI and with data, as Kelly was saying, to make, you know, the offline kind of human-driven recommendation fed into our AI engine advisor side goes back in. And that sort of kind of way of working and actually services has been really interesting for our VIPs um, customer. And I would even say with the virtual try-on, so something that was, um, you know, what, what I really liked about it as well is, you know, it, it, as Sandrine said, you know, over the past 18 months, it's come sort of leaps and bounds, but we're actually all also using it for a different use case too. So, um, you know, if, if you, you know, we've just launched the Browns um, Brook Street store where you can see all of our technology, but on the Browns app, you you can try on watches virtually. And we were doing it in the store and I was like, yeah, but they're in the store, they're physical. Why would anyone be using virtual try on in the store? And Sandrine was like, yeah, but you have to think that you know most of the retailers don't have all of their inventory 
in their store. So if they only have 20% of the inventory in the store and the rest of the 80% is in a warehouse or not attainable by the customer, it's a great way to actually show the full catalog as well. So we are watching people use the virtual try-on for um, watches and it was amazing to see it come to life. And you would never think, why would I put virtual try-on in the actual physical space? But because it's come so far, you can actually start to use various use cases. So it doesn't just solve an online problem anymore of how is this going to look on me? It's now solving a retailer challenge as well, where I don't have all of my inventory in the store. So how do I bring this to life? And when she explained that, I was like, that makes so much sense. <laughs> there you go. Thanks God I had a good idea that day. Well, I'm <laughs> but this virtual try-on and all of these new technologies, uh, is it an awesome opportunity for data collection? Um, and are you uh, giving that data back to the brands to say, you know, people are trying this on and it doesn't fit or they don't like it? Or what are you doing with that data? Absolutely. I mean, data really is sort of the the, the key to unlocking all of this. And, um, you know, we are um, unveiling a, a new technology in our store in roughly about Q2, Q3. Um, and it's the, the Farfetch Smart Tag. Um, and Sundrine, I'm not sure if you want to sort of give a little bit of an overview because yeah, this is sort I can of talk your, your yeah, baby. Actually, I got it. Yeah, you know, it doesn't um, it doesn't leave me. It's always there with me. <laughs> <laughs> we've Ooh, been, ah. Yeah, we've been actually we've been um, the Farfetch Smart Tag is solving the the challenge that Kelly was mentioning around how we capture all that offline data in stores. So from the minute the customers get in, how they interact with products, and how we need we can brands can actually complement the profile of the customer uh, that they have online with that offline data. So we work with a startup uh, as part of our open innovation effort for about three years. has been an R&D effort, so like truly kind of exploration, as we call it. Um, and that was also a great example. I mean, a startup on which we have actually invested afterwards. And um, a great example on how we use, you know, open innovation to kind of really create new products. And what the tag does is basically we'll be on each of the clothes uh, and garments. It helps you to track the product moving from within the rail. It helps you to retail us to track the product going from the rail to the fitting room, fitting room to the teal. Uh, so kind of, you know, the, the brands are the sort of 360 view of what the customer is doing. So we map all of that data back to customer accounts. And then uh, what also you can do is that your brows, I was saying before, you can start, you know, having the product appearing on your on your brand's app. So without you just taking the picture, like you all know you love that product and you need to get a picture. And it offers you um, a lot of different digital content uh, that could be associated with the new designers that you have no clue about. So, you know, instead of going back to Google and just searching for, you know, these new designers, that's all uh, immersive into the, into the brand's app. Um, and also it can be used for, for, for data collection, uh, sorry, um, security tag. So it's really exciting because I think also, you know, quite frankly, when you look at other technology like that, right, you have to, you have to work with the supplier to design a tag, which is actually looks good and looks nice. So we've spent a lot of time in terms of our team designing that piece of hardware, uh, to making sure it looks, it looks exciting for brands because what's happening, they don't, you know, like the security tags looks quite horrendous. Uh, that's why they don't have some, right? And they have someone at the entrance checking it. So, um, so really excited about this tag because it offers so much opportunity for brands, but it's also solved this 
challenge we had around offline data, which I think will complement that really incredible connected journey that, that Kitty was referring to. And then all of the brands have um, that information readily available. So literally what, what items are being picked up and actually moved to a dressing room. So it's almost like mirroring what you can measure online. So, you know, from a product detail page, into the shopping cart, into, and, and so by actually being able to mimic that, they have the full spectrum of what their customers are engaging with. Is everything, I know that the uh, Browns, is it Brook Street? Is, is that recently opened? What are you finding in terms of, is everything really intuitive in, ter- in terms of the technology? Um, are, are, I guess, customers having to opt in and try things? And uh, like, what are you finding in terms of the, I guess, interplay, the, the willingness to, I don't know, step into the future let's say (laughs) engage (laughs) I think for me to be honest what I found what I'm the most proud of except the fact the story is beautiful the technology is so good and is invisible is how we have worked seamlessly with retail sales associates and how they have embraced that technology for themselves I mean you know this is the biggest challenge of any retailers today in how they they involve their staff or they become the sort of their sales associates becoming those influencers, community managers. And, and that's the reason why you go into the stores is a store. Okay. So you get into that, that bookstore store and, and you were welcomed with, with love and warmth by, by that team and you browse and you do whatever you want to do. And this is as they engage with you during the process that you start discovering what is there. It's not up in your face. Back to my point, okay, you're not suddenly seeing what you kind of, you have camera. No, no, it's not that. It's all driven by the essay, by the sales associate. And, and this is what the engagement is so great. And, and what they are amazing at, and I think the work we had to do between black to the blunt of technical skill set and, uh, and sort of kind of retail skill set is how they understand, you know, using their emotional intelligence that you want to be engaged with technology, you might not want. And this is why, you know, we have phenomenal results. And I know, Kelly, if you want to share that, but phenomenal results on how much that technology is driving incremental sale in that store. Yeah, absolutely. So even just looking at the engagement metrics, um, you know, people who are engaging with, um, you know, even the connected mirrors and engaging with the, the sales associates and um, engaging as they come in, they have their app open and they basically have you know, their wish list full. And as soon as you walk in the store, you know, you can go into in-store mode and basically it shows you, you know, what's in-store, what sizes that can then easily be beamed to the in-store sales associate. They have an in-store app and, you know, all of that communication is there. And it's it, it's not that they're not talking, they're, they're talking about other things, but in the background, basically, you know, the, the dressing room's getting ready for them. Like stylists are pulling in, in, in new looks and um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's the engagement that we're seeing and, and the uptake of what people are adopting is, is, is incredible when we look at the numbers. Got it. Moving forward, to what extent would you say that online e-commerce is going to be the go-to for convenience? It's the convenience play. And that in-store is going to be about if you actually like want the experience, you want to do something, I guess, in quotes. Um, is it going to be split like that? I probably think not as kind of blunt as that, you know, I think, I think for sure we learned so much from 
the uh, life, I mean, especially with the pandemic, like the beauty of convenience from our Amazon orders, right? Arriving every single day at home. And, and we used to that, right? We used to be able to now, we want something we like online, we want to get it tomorrow, right? Like, so I think definitely, I think for me, like, you know, when I look at luxury, luxury is time and we don't have a lot of time. So having things fast and I think in deliver really, uh, whenever I need is actually the new luxury for sure. And, and this is kind of well, you know, there is almost that sort of parallel that, okay, if it's all about online, then stores are dead, but stores actually are not dead. Stores need to reinvent themselves. And that's why I think thinking about uh, retail stores, we talk about like a theater, we talk about like brand expression, place where for storytelling, immersive experience that actually dwell you into the stores and you stay more than just an hour or more than like 20 minutes. And what we are seeing is actually customers are going in stores less to only browse, but also to browse with the purpose of shopping. And then that concept of shopping is then has to be memorable. It has to be linked to something which is unique to you, makes you feel really good, which is linked also to all of that sustainability kind of theme, which is so important to, to consumers on how they shop, you know, consciously today. So, but I think the big thing, you know, for me is how brands would really understand the role of their retail footprint and really think about this in a different way. And, you know, having a flagship in Avenue Montaigne or a Bond Street, what does that mean in this new world? Now, right? It doesn't probably mean that much to this, back to my point around that younger generation. So I think this is probably what we're going to see. I'm quite fascinated to see how brands will really think about the role of their stores in a very different way because they have to. That's what customer wants. Well, and I think that's exactly it. It goes back to what does this customer want? And, you know, it's experience, it's convenience, it's personalization. Um, And for me, it's choice. Like, like Sandrine, you know, I'm getting loads of packages every single day. I mean, embarrassing, I know my DHL driver's name. Um, but I was chatting to a friend the other day and he was like, I, I can't handle online shopping anymore. I just want to go physically in. I can't handle the returns. I can't handle the packages. And I, and I understand. And, you know, it's funny, we had an event, um, our luxury new retail event last week. And, you know, no, I, I haven't personally gotten dressed for an event in a year. And so I was like, what am I going to wear? But what I wanted to do was actually go into the store and have an experience. And, you know, it wasn't enough just to be able to shop online. I did my research online. I put my things in my wish list. Um, my sales associate met me. And what was great is that, you know, they had a flavor of what I was looking for. But rather than just relying on that, they were able to actually use that to pull in other items. And it was just so much of a better experience than me ordering, you know, a few things in, not working, sending back. And so for me, it was the choice. And it was it was such a beautiful experience. And it felt really good to be in store again. When you talk about this customer and what this customer wants and being, I guess, uh, more digital savvy, um, are you... Do you have the Gen Z customer in mind, the digital native, the... Um, is it just about a digital savvy customer? Because that's who we all are now. Who are they? Well, I think, you know, it's a, it's quite a diverse public we're talking about, right? And I think we have a lot of that different public, uh, in, in farfetch.com. I mean, uh, obviously it's, a, it's, 
it's kind of a digital savvy audience and we got also a lot of that Gen Z, especially from different territories. If you think about uh, our China, um, penetration is actually quite big for, for Farfetch. So there is a very interesting base from which we can learn from. But I think for me, I always talk about, you know, the digital state of mind, you know, or the millennial state of mind. Even if you're over your 40s or your 50s, you always think about that, right? You're always about being connected. You're always about uh, having that exchange of value. Uh, the idea of Ownership does not mean as much as it used to. And that's where the whole concept of sustainability and pre-love or pre-owned is so important. So I think for us, really, it's really how we look at the customers across all of these different forms. And what is interesting with Farfetch as a, as a destination is because of the diversity of our inventory, the diversity of where we are, we can actually talk to those customers in a different ways. And, um, and, and I think from that, from a tech point of view, we can learn around how we start. And that's back to the point Kelly was making around how we personal, I mean, hyper-personalization is so personalized that we can talk to any single one of them. Yes. Well, last question. Uh, Kelly, I'll ask you, uh, moving forward this year, um, we talked about kind of giving the customer what they're looking for, maybe solving pain points uh, for that shopper. Uh, what are you what are you looking to solve? What are you looking to? Uh, yeah. How are you looking to elevate the experience? So I think for, for us, it, you know, again, it goes back to the, the now, the next and the future. And what we've just unveiled in Browns Brook Street really focuses on those pain points. And, you know, for us, it was more about, you know, customer recognition. So how do you recognize me as a customer when I come into the store? It's about product recognition. So, you know, what Sundreen was talking about with the Farfetch smart tags, um, it's about blending both of those to create a hyper-personalized um, experience, you know, in, in store. Um, and one of the things that we've really been focused on um, are payments and remote payments. So one thing that we've really seen throughout the pandemic is obviously people aren't traveling. People aren't traveling, stores are closed. So how do you then still have, you know, the sales associate be able to continue to speak to their, their clients? And how do you still have that sort of connection? And, and payments is a really big part of that. And then it's, you know, a topic that most people don't like to address because it's complicated. It's tricky. It's, you know, I think people don't think it's sexy, but actually this is something we've been really focused on for the past year because it's, it's so important. And so what we've really focused on is, um, you know, how do you still give a, a great experience to the customer through remote payments? So, you know, as easy as sending um, a link through WhatsApp or a link through text message and have it all completely secured once you check out, then it's basically in your account, you have your order, your essay has your order. So bringing that full sort of um, experience. And you know, it's, it's really interesting because I think during the pandemic, we didn't necessarily see new trends per se, but what we saw were the existing trends be massively accelerated. So that's where really where I think Sandrine was mentioning at the beginning, you know, when we re-looked at what we were opening up into the Browns Brook Street store, it was all still incredibly relevant because what we had been focused on was the, you know, solving the, the customer challenges. Those customer challenges didn't change. They just became much more at the forefront. Well, you're right. Not sexy, but oh, so timely. <laughs> we will end on a geeking out note. <laughs> oh my gosh. Totally. You guys, this was so, so fun. Thank you both for being here. Yeah. Thank, thank you for you. having us. It was amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It was great. Thank you so much. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. 
Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.